Welcome to the Public Lands Podcast, where we bring you information, entertainment, and conversation about your public lands and waterways. My name is Mark Peddleton, and I'll be your host today. This week, we'll bring you the last in a series of news reports about issues affecting Minnesota's parks and public lands, as well as a bit of news out of Washington, D.C. Let's start with the latter. Two stories related to the Environmental Protection Agency. First, EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt announced that fuel efficiency standards will be lowered. And second, it was discovered that Pruitt has been renting a luxury condo in D.C. from the wife of an oil company lobbyist for $50 a night, causing many to wonder what happened to Donald Trump's vow to, quote, drain the swamp from the influence of lobbyists. This is evidence of what is referred to as regulatory capture, when the organizations, corporations, and industries that are subject to regulation become the authors of those regulations and control the regulatory process. We'll start with the change in fuel efficiency standards policy. And this is from an official EPA release from Washington, April 2, 2018. Today, U.S. Environmental Protection Agency EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt is announcing the completion of the midterm evaluation, or MTE, process for the greenhouse gas emission standards for cars and light trucks for model years 2022 through 2025. And his final determination that, in light of recent data, the current standards are not appropriate and should be revised. Administrator Pruitt is also announcing the start of a joint process with the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to develop a notice and comment rulemaking to set more appropriate GHG emission standards and corporate average fuel economy, CAFE, standards. Quote, the Obama administration's determination was wrong, said EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt. Quote, Obama's EPA cut the midterm evaluation process short with politically charged expediency, made assumptions about the standards that didn't comport with reality, and set the standards too high. Under the Clean Air Act, CAA, EPA sets national standards for vehicle tailpipe emissions of certain pollutants. Through a CAA waiver granted by EPA, California can impose stricter standards for vehicle emissions of certain pollutants than federal requirements. The California waiver is still being re-examined by EPA under Administrator Pruitt's leadership. Quote, cooperative federalism doesn't mean that one state can dictate standards for the rest of the country. EPA will set a national standard for greenhouse gas emissions that allows auto manufacturers to make cars that people both want and can afford, while still expanding environmental and safety benefits of newer cars. It is in America's interest to have a national standard, and we look forward to partnering with all states, including California, as we work to finalize that standard. I would note as a side that it's interesting that those that believe in states' rights suddenly suspend that when one state does something they don't like at the federal level. In this case, California deciding that a more stringent standard was needed for fuel efficiency for sake of their state and for the global climate. As for Pruitt's ethically questionable relationship to oil lobbyists and accusations that the industry-subsidized luxury housing represents illegal benefits, it remains to be seen what consequences that might bring, or if there's anyone left in D.C. with the power and will to do anything about it. What is clear from the incident is that the oil lobby is more entrenched and effective than ever. And now back to Minnesota. 
where Rachel Craven brings us a report about buckthorn, an invasive species that has been a big problem in a number of states, including an informative interview with Scott Ramsey, a naturalist at the Woodlake Nature Center. Today, we are going to be talking about invasive species, a problem that costs an estimated $136 billion in damage just here in the United States, according to David Pimentel, a professor at Cornell who studies invasive species. I'm going to be talking about what invasive species are, the effects they have on the ecosystem, how it affects us, and what we can do about them. In today's podcast, I'm going to be focusing on common buckthorn, a fairly common invasive species that is prevalent here in Minnesota. First, to define what an invasive species is. An invasive species is any non-native species that causes harm to the ecosystem they have been introduced to. Common buckthorn, also known as Rhamnus cathartica, is a highly invasive plant species that originated from Europe and was brought to the U.S. in the 1800s to be used as hedging material. It has fast growth rates and it spreads very quickly. One of the ways in which buckthorn spreads is through birds. Birds actually eat the berries on the buckthorn plant, and when they poop, it fertilizes the buckthorn seed into a new plant. Besides being highly invasive, buckthorn tries to outcompete other native species for things such as nutrients, um, life, and moisture, which are needed for a plant to thrive. They are also lilopathic, seeds from growing, degrading wildlife habitat. Buckthorn has the ability to become a monoculture, completely taking over, making it impossible for native species to grow. To tell us a little more about buckthorn, we have Scott Ramsey, a naturalist at the Woodlake Nature Center in Richfield, Minnesota. Scott has worked at the Woodlake Nature Center for more than 20 years and is an expert on pretty much anything nature-related. Scott, do you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little more about your previous experiences, as well as some of the challenges buckthorn brings to the Woodlake Nature Center? I'm an interpretive naturalist. I started at Wood Lake in 1996, so I've been here for 21 years. And, well, actually, this is my 22nd year. I had previously worked at Springbrook Nature Center in Fridley for 10 years prior to that and got my first job right out of college um, in 1982 at the Richardson Nature Center, which is part of Three Rivers Park District, where I worked seasonally for three years before getting full-time employment at, at Fridley. So... I've been at Wood Lake for, uh, like I said, this is my 22nd year here, and my main job is teaching environmental education, and then I'm also the volunteer coordinator, and beyond that, uh, we do our own natural resource management. Um, So I have a background in physical geography from the University of Minnesota. That's my degree, which is actually geomorphology. Of course, since we do our own natural resource management, um, invasive species is one of the things we try to control um, to create the greatest diversity of habitats. We have the greatest diversity of wildlife and plant life at our nature center to interpret. Yeah, of course. And so, specifically buckthorn, what threats does that pose? How does that affect the plant and animal species around here? And what are some of the ways that the Woodlake Nature Center addresses the issue in ways that you recommend just for the average person to address the issue? Sure. Buckthorn is an extremely aggressive and invasive plant. Um, It's a woody plant that grows as a tree or can be in shrub form. um, And it takes over the entire understory of a forest. In your yard, you can control it by trimming it and 
taking care of it, but uh, once it gets loose in the environment in a larger natural area, um, it just takes over the entire place. It actually changes the soil chemistry such that native plants can no longer grow there. If its roots touch the roots of another wildflower or shrub, it sends out a chemical herbicide wow. to kill off the competition. So if, if not addressed and controlled, Within a matter of years, you will end up with an understory that is 100% buckthorn, which is really so thick and impenetrable. Um, it's just not a very good wildlife species. And of course, you don't want a monoculture. Um, diversity is yeah, the key absolutely. to survival in plant life as well as wildlife. So here at the Nature Center, we address the issue by ripping the buckthorn out by hand. When we identify it, we try to catch it early when it's young. We do have uh, an aid of a weed wrench, which is basically a lever that allows students or, or people to pull buckthorn out by the roots, which is a lot of work. It's labor intensive, but it is less expensive than herbicide or chemical treatments. Um, and we try not to use chemicals whenever possible uh, because chemicals in the environment you can kill off non-target species. Uh, we just, and we don't have a budget that can afford that. So we do own um, 17 weed wrenches and when we get groups of students out, all the fifth grade students in the Richfield Public School District come out for an invasive species unit in the fall. We also have uh, Eagle Scout projects and scout troops that come out and help us with it. We also have public programs where we try to educate people as to what it looks like, how to identify it and control it in their yard, as well as then they can come out and help us eradicate it. So it'll never be a situation where we completely remove all the buckthorn, but what we're striving for is maybe a buckthorn here, a buckthorn there, not too many of them, um, with an abundance of other native species. Um, but we are getting on top of the situation now, so we um, we are getting to the point where we do have it under control. When we started out, we had probably about, I'd say, 65 acres of solid buckthorn um, in our 150-acre preserve because 75 acres is underwater in the marsh. So of our 75 upland acres, 65 was pretty well infested with buckthorn. And now we're down to probably about maybe a 15, a lot of improvement. We've eradicated probably 50 acres of buckthorn in the 21 years that I've been here. It's slow to go, and if we do get some, a few that uh, grow too large to pull, because you can pull up to a two-inch diameter plant with a weed wrench, then we are forced to cut and herbicide, just treat the stump, so we kill the roots. Um, so we do a little bit of cut and treat uh, as we go for the ones that are too large. And the wood makes beautiful walking sticks, very durable and hard. It also has a lot of BTUs. It's as hard as um, oak, so it burns as well as oak does. So larger plants can be then cut. And a large portion of the buckthorn that's been pulled out by our students in the past two years have gone to the waste to energy program that XL Energy has. So all the buckthorn that we've pulled out because we've had some pretty major loads have been actually picked up by the city, transported to St. Paul where it's been chipped and pelletized and XL Energy burns it. And in other areas where we can't uh, get it close enough to the trail to remove it, uh, the students or the you know whoever's doing it, we pile it up in brush piles so that as it decomposes it creates a habitat, a shelter for small mammals like uh, rabbits and chipmunks. And, wow, that's yeah. amazing. So it can serve that's a purpose fun. as it decomposes yeah. as well. Yeah.
Very awesome. So based on your background and how long you've been here, I'm assuming you're very passionate about the environment. So kind of to conclude, what's some advice you have, especially for younger people, about kind of caring for the environment, being advocates or having awareness of these issues? What's your advice? Well, the reason we exist is yeah. to make sure that people have an awareness mm -hmm. that uh, you know, we tend to separate ourselves, the built, you know, human environment from nature, and really we're not. We're not separate. Nature lives everywhere that it's able to put down roots. So it's not just in nature centers or wildlife refuges. It exists everywhere, and we actually are a part of the ecosystem as well. We dramatically change the environment to suit our needs, but we must ensure that we keep that environment healthy, um, good for all the wildlife, because we depend on that for our food supply, our air supply. Um, and so uh, just to make people aware that we are a part of that and to preserve it and treasure it, conserve it when they can, build beautiful nature reserves in their backyards, or if they don't have a backyard, to help out in the city park. I know people say, well, maybe we'll go off and, and uh, you know, populate the moon or Mars. <laughs> maybe in a couple million, billion years. Yeah, no, and there's no yeah. reason to do that. Yeah, if we take sense. care of this planet, this is our home and this is our biosphere that we need to take care of and it's the only planet we'll ever need if we manage it and do everything properly. Yes, could not agree more. Exactly. So, well, thank you so much for allowing us to interview you and for sharing your knowledge on this topic. That was Scott Ramsey, naturalist from Wood Lake Nature Center. I hope that after listening to this podcast, you not only have learned more about invasive species and common buckthorn, but also feel empowered to take action and do what you can to take responsibility and take care of our planet. We only have one of them. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Rachel. Until next week, I hope you have a chance to get out and enjoy a public land or park near you.